This is part one of a two-part series on entrepreneurship. Hello, my name is Rashawn Hopte, and I am the Program Officer for Economic Empowerment at Switchboard. Today, we will be talking to Khaled Ahmadzai from Canopy Northwest, Arkansas. He is the Director of Economic Advancement. Um, we're going to discuss the entrepreneurship program that his organization started um, a year ago. Uh, so welcome, Khaled. Um, tell, us a little about, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into entrepreneurship. Yeah, uh, thank you, Rishan, for, uh, for uh, having this opportunity to, to talk about the entrepreneurship program here at uh, Northeast Arkansas. Um, uh, my journey started way back uh, when uh, I'm originally from Afghanistan, grew up there. And when I was in uh, eighth or ninth grade, I was put in places and situations that I had to think uh, how to pay for my um, English class or how to make a little bit of extra money and uh, pay towards um, just uh, household like um, family. I was the eldest in the family. So uh, that kind of, uh, that was not expected really at that age, uh, but I felt like, okay, um, that's something that I could contribute back to the family. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I guess that's, that's the journey. I, I was uh, put in place and situations kind of helped uh, form my way of uh, looking into the business uh, venue. Okay, so, so you, you internalized that. And then how did you uh, go on to come up with the idea for this program? Um, so before, before that, uh, one thing that I, in 2006, um, that I started another coffee shop. If, uh, if anybody uh, was not in military, uh, but they were in aid agencies, if they went to Afghanistan between 2006 and 2009, um, certainly they've been to a coffee shop called Chaila in Kabul. And that was uh, my, another venture of like, oh, I had a full-time job working for the International School of Kabul. Uh, and then, but it was getting to a point that it was like a very normal, uh, there was no challenge. Um, I mean, there was always challenges every day, but the life cycle was just like you get up in the morning and do the same thing. And so I, I decided to do something that is a little bit different. And I started the coffee shop. It was the first of its kind in Kabul. And people were laughing. It's like, oh, you, you just, uh, what is this? And, and, uh, and I, I, I justify this, it. like, well, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something good. Um, so China became the, uh, it was even in the Lonely Planet, uh, Afghanistan version, there was a little bit uh, talk about China coffee shop. Um, and it became uh, something that was um, a, a good gathering place for people to meet. And so out of that, um, I noticed that if things are just normal and there's like flat, I get bored. Um, and so I had to do something. Uh, so that is just the background. When I came to Northwest Arkansas, um, I wanted to start a business. Uh, and I, had a, I was working for a nonprofit in Afghanistan, uh, exporting uh, rugs, uh, handmade rugs, uh, ethically made in Afghanistan. Um, so when I moved to the US, I, I bought um, a ton and a half, two, two and a half tons of uh, rugs. And I said, I'm just going to go back to, um, to start this business. And then also that would connect me with, uh, with folks in Afghanistan and my birthplace. Uh, but when, when I came to Northwest Arkansas, even before that, when I was in Kabul, I talked to Canopy um, 
and I said, well, if there's any volunteer opportunities, let me know. And my uh, then director said, well, actually, I want you to come in and um, help with the employment and integration. Um, and, and so that that took me when I came here, I that canopy became my full time job. And my um, idea of starting the business was kind of put in the back burner and became like a, a, a side gig. Um, and I still do that. But um, once I start working as, as we were receiving refugees, I, I was doing the initial intake interview and, and making sure that as part of their employment that they have uh, resumes and um, just getting to know them. Mm-hmm. And one after another, one thing that came was they always had a business um, of some sort. And a lot of times they didn't even consider that business because um, uh, when folks came here, the business was just lucky yet to be a physical location of uh, this type. And those things that I we had, it just they didn't even consider business. So what just kind meeting of, one. Yeah. What, 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 give me examples of what. Uh, selling grocery um, at the refugee camp or uh, having a, a bookstore uh, or, or like a little shack selling books. Um, or have a had a uh, internet um, cafe where people could use that. Uh, those very small, uh, one or two computers connected to internet at the uh, outside in the outskirt of the refugee camp, closer to the city, and things like that. It was just um, very small things, but uh, but they had the idea, and uh, I had to put that in their resume uh, to make the resumes um, look um, accurately describing who these uh, folks are and what they can bring to the table. Um, so that prompted me to think, um, what can we do to help um, folks who had experience, uh, but also want to start a business? Um, because one of their goals, when you ask them uh, three months goal, uh, six months goal, one year goal, and six year goal, five year goal, uh, five year goal, they all wanted to start a business. All I want to have my own business. Um, and so that like, okay, how can we help uh, develop this um, program for them so that they could use those expertise? I talked to my director and I said, well, uh, what can we do to help? And so we, we tossed the idea back and forth a few times. And then um, I had an opportunity to go to, um, so we, we were kind of decided that we're gonna start this, but uh, where to start? Instead of starting the wheels um, from, uh, what's the English term? The wheels, wheels turning for the yeah. wheels start turning. Huh? Uh, yeah, instead of like building something new, let's go and see what other options are available in the in the community. Uh, we went to I went to uh, Minneapolis where my mom and brothers live, and met with uh, NDC uh, neighborhood neighborhood development center, an NGO that has been um, our uh, entity that has been working with. Um, with low-income communities uh, for 25 plus years. Um, I, I talked to them and pitched the idea of how to, uh, if we could establish a partnership, came to find out that they had some other uh, sister organization or, or entities, it's called Built From Within Alliance. It's a, it's a network of uh, other NGOs, uh, nonprofit or for-profit uh, entities around the state. Uh, around the nation that are working in this um, in this space of entrepreneurship, um, so I that was our, our initial conversation, and then from there, 
we uh, got a grant to purchase the, the curriculum uh, from, from the from NDC and take that curriculum, but it's also a place where you, the, the curriculum could be adapted to, to, feed, uh, to meet your needs. And, um, and they have technical assistance and technical support as well as part of this uh, alliance. And so that's how the idea of, uh, the, from idea, it came to an actual uh, result of having this, uh, this uh, the, uh, base operating system, um, which is um, the, the curriculum plus all the other technical systems that are as part of the uh, core um, partnership with the NDC. And um, so what, that's where. Why did why did you think entre entrepreneurship would be a suitable career pathway for refugee clients? Uh, good question. I, I think one thing that they all had the and not not necessarily the, all the tools, but they had familiarity of the concept of business. So with that in mind. Um, and, and their desire to start their businesses was was like a very common natural way of like, um, so this is your desire, five-year desire um, of starting a business. So how can we help you reach that? And so let's explore some options. And, and then this was kind of like the natural way of um, giving them the option. Um, I, I'm certain that not everybody from that group would would be, uh, eventually becoming an entrepreneurs, but those who have the guts and uh, taking the risk to, to do it and have the opportunity, they will uh, slowly take uh, that, that path of uh, starting. And, and they're coming with, the, with excellent um, tools and, and, and um, like desire to start something new. Uh, so just to to take those and, and work with it and say, well, how can we make this possible? Because uh, the first desire is, for example, that I wanna have a bike or I wanna learn how to bike. That's, that's a short-term goal of like, um, yeah, three months, here's a bike, learn how to bike. You're gonna fall and you're gonna hurt your knees uh, and you're gonna have some scabs and, uh, but wear your helmet, make sure you have your lights and just all those things. We, we provide them the bike and give them all that information and it's like you can you can move slowly from there, and then um, it was it was a little bit difficult to to kind of look behind uh, beyond uh, the the two year or even three months uh, because the concept of uh, and I'm like that too in Afghanistan when um, the idea of thinking too far ahead was just a foreign concept um, because at five years I don't know what's going to happen. Um, two months ago we never thought we would be dealing with a situation not on some like what we are doing right now so that's kind of the unpredictable um future was is always there um so it was difficult for for it's difficult for them and it's difficult for me to think like five years time ahead uh like what will happen uh, but but if you spend time and get to know them and uh spend some some quality time to to just extract that that information it's like what was your desire when you were a little kid uh it's like oh i wanted to be a computer science uh scientist it's like okay 
Um, I like what you said earlier that you got into entrepreneurship because an opportunity presented itself to you and you were in the right place in the right time. I think with, right. in my experience with uh, working with refugees, especially those that come from areas that are in conflict, um, when the country falls apart and there is no standard system that's operating, people turn to entrepreneurship as a means to survive. Um, so I've seen this in a lot of cases where um, in adult ed, refugee clients have low literacy levels, really low literacy levels, but numeracy is really, really high. So they can, they can look at something and they can, just by staring at it, they can tell you how much it weighs, whether it's flour or sugar, whatever it is, they can look at it and tell you how much it weighs and they can separate it in their head on how much they're going to sell it, how much profit they're going to make. So numeracy for a lot of refugee clients that I, in my experience was off the charts. Uh, so you probably saw the same thing when- Yes. Yes. Yes, uh, definitely. Like uh, a lot of times I, you mentioned like calculating things and, and right, like I have this fancy calculator trying to figure out and just before I know it, they would come up with uh, like, yeah, it's this much with um, proximity that is just um, amazes me. And, and you're right. Like, uh, I still, when I think of my mom, how she looks at the, uh, when we travel or like she picks up the luggage and say it's, it weighs like 50 pounds, for example, like mom, it's, it's not 23 kilos. It's like, no, it's, it might be 30 kilos. No, no, no. And she puts a little bit more. And then she knows like when she lifts it up, she, like when I weighed it with my little uh, scale, uh, then I realized that she she knows those by heart and are just not by heart by just feeling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been in the classroom and I say something is fifteen percent off, and before I could write the answer, everybody's in the class is yelling it because you know what fifteen percent off is just right off the top of their head. So that 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 skill is is our the need to survive has. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that because I don't want to assume, but um, if the opportunity presents itself, I think a lot of refugees have been in a position where they have had to have some sort of business or sell some sort of service in, in, in order to survive, especially in refugee camps. Um, that's what I noticed. That's true. Yeah. So how did, how did clients respond when you started telling them that you wanted to create a program that would help them become entrepreneurs? So even before um, starting the program, I went and talked to them and say, uh, if we start a program that would help you um, start your business. Uh, again, we are working with a very small bank of uh, refugees in Northwest Arkansas. But uh, I, I went, um, especially those that I worked with directly, uh, I went to all of them, um, uh, both husbands and wife and sometimes adult kids and say, are you interested? And so I, I had a feedback. Um, I had their their blessings to to go ahead with the program. Uh, so so I took that the the I had a feeling before I went to because it was I didn't want this to be my idea. I wanted to see if I have a if I if we invest in this program, uh, do we have any. Uh, anyone who's really interested in this because um, that's, they were just new in, in country uh, when I asked them about their hopes and desire, future goals. 
uh, but now they've been here for, for a year or two. And so I, I did go back to them and say, well, um, Abway, give me some idea uh, if, we, if you could bring this program of uh, teaching entrepreneurship and teaching how to do business, um, would you be interested? And uh, the overwhelming uh, number of them were like, yeah, uh, if we could learn, um, because we want to start a business, so it would help if we could learn something uh, to start it. So it was, it was just a, the client's response was, uh, was what motivated me to push forward with this. Did anybody tell you this might be too difficult to do? Well, everybody said, well, um, the language, I think language barrier is something that uh, everybody is like, um, well, my English is not great. Uh, so that might affect my business. Uh, and, and some folks are uh, naturally there. I mean, entrepreneurship is about risk, uh, taking risk. And, and uh, there are folks uh, who are not risk takers. And um, so they are um, they're looking at it and like, okay, well, there's too much risk. Are those who uh, folks who have uh, ideas, but it may not be an idea that would work here um, in 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 the U.S. or in North of Arkansas? Uh, so, so uh, yeah, naturally we have some po folks who um, who kind of hesitate uh, or hesitant to uh, to participate, and, and but they also, to my surprise, they came in and participated, and then at the end they said, well, um, actually. No, I'm, I'm when they did the uh, industry analysis of like going and finding uh, a little bit more about their their ideas, they decided, okay, like for example, um, having a pigeon business is not uh, um, yeah, to have pigeons and that's not going to be a business uh, that would survive um, because there's not a lot of people buying pigeons. Maybe other states, but not in Arkansas. Certainly not in Northeast Arkansas. So, so you had them do market research on businesses. Uh, business? Yeah, once once they start the class. Um, so this is uh, this once they start the class. There, there's um, we spent two sessions on um, uh, business analysis, which which they go in and find out about their business similar to their business that or the ideas they have. So that they know and understand the, the market, uh, whether their businesses would be, um, they're, they're finding their comp uh, competitors and also the, like if, if this is, if this is uh, what really uh, sets them apart and then they're gonna go and find out, uh, kind of understand their business I, uh, on a deeper level, not just by, okay, I wanna start this grocery store but let's, let's go a little bit more and find out the details of what it takes to start a business. Uh, and, and when they do industrial analysis of, of that industry that they're going to, uh, whether there's a market for it, uh, there uh, the folks who are, are gonna be interested in purchasing um, the, the customers, future customers and clients and uh, competitors and all that. So they learn uh, and quickly at that time, they either change their business uh, plan or they they find out that that's really the, the gap in the market and that's where they need to invest. Where, what were some ideas that uh, the, the students had? Um, ideas uh, from uh, African store, uh, like I think that was just came uh, previous class, uh, first cohort, 
and also in the second cohort, African store as uh, something um, that was interesting because it was like for, for them, they, they saw the gap that, okay, if, I, if we, don't, we don't have an African store here, uh, the closest African store was, is in Missouri and in a little town, little tiny town, Noel, Missouri. It's a 55 minutes drive from here. Uh, and it's, I think the population of the town is 12,000 or something and 8,000 of them are uh, from Somalia. I believe, wow. uh -huh. uh, and it is, um, but there's uh, the largest African store I've uh, ever been as, is there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really, um, you have to really look in the map to find out because the, the, the biggest store in that town is the African store. Wow. Uh, it, it's like a store that has a coffee shop. It's a m meet and greet. And it's like everything in that one store, which is, uh, I love, I loved it. Um, you go there, you meet the elder, and there's like a beautiful uh, setting of like, all of a sudden you're out of America. And kind of like an indoor shop, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, for example, that was one thing that came uh, again and again, uh, African store. And the idea is like, um, a lot of people do not move. Um, our, our Congolese uh, fellows here, uh, there's like, uh, because there's no African store, uh, it's hard for me to, uh, like when, when they ask their friends and family members or other relatives in other states, it's like, hey, move to Arkansas, we have good jobs and this and that. And they say, well, is there an African, African store? And they're like, no. Uh, and they're like, okay, whatever you have that, we will move. Um, uh, uh, somebody swear that if we have an African store, we will have 80 families uh, move in here. Uh, well, well, we'll see. What other type of business ideas have you seen? Uh, so we had, um, from the first cohort, uh, there was a food uh, food truck. Um, we had, um, get the list because I don't wanna. Um, so the first cohort uh, we had was um, food, uh, food truck uh, mechanic uh, of selling cars and uh, repairing car. Um, Swahili shoes and clothing, um, something that um, one of our clients was, uh, one of our aspiring entrepreneurs were interested in, and also the tailoring. Uh, so that was um, the first cohort. Uh, we had a few other people who also had, like I mentioned, uh, pigeon, uh, having pigeon um, farm was, um, was one of the ideas, and, and also barbershop. So that was from the first cohort. Uh, and out of those, uh, those folks, uh, three of them started their businesses, which was the mask making, uh, Abwe, and um, he started making uh, clothes and, and masks. Uh, so we, we are working on the second line item, uh, some, some shirts and stuff that um, he has. So I do know a little about the mask story. Can you, can you share it with us and, and tell us how that came to be? Yeah, so um, Abwe, um, uh, well, it's a wonderful, I, I refer to him as my mentor because Abwe is, is the sweetest person you, know, uh, you would ever meet. And I think um, it, he's, he's my mentor. Uh, he tells me that I'm his mentor, but actually the reality is, is the other way around. And when Abwe came, Abwe and I arrived in the US uh, around the same time. Um, I came from Afghanistan to, um, to work with Canopy and he arrived um, 
from Tanzania, um, but he's from Congo. Uh, so when he, we were living in the same apartment building. Uh, he was, he was my neighbor. And the first job, uh, he started at Chick-fil-A. And, um, and so when I was working with him and creating his resume, I was trying to extract uh, as much information as I could. And part of that, he said that he worked as a nurse. He worked uh, but he didn't want to even mention it's like, well, it was not like a nurse here in America, but I'm like, you worked in the hospital. So just give me a little bit more, uh, really spend a lot of time just one-on-one -on -one trying to get those uh, nuggets. Uh, and then one day as we were like, um, just talking, he said, well, I, 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 I was a tailor. I'm like, well, Abbe, tell me, what about your tailoring? It's like, well, I worked for 25 years. My dad uh was uh making things so i learned from my dad but i'm like you didn't put that in your resume it's like well yeah but it's not like i didn't i didn't have a business it was just something that i know but i worked with my dad for 25 years and so i took that and added in her resume uh, his resume and then contacted one of um one of the boutique stores here and like um gray dog and i said well would you be interested in and like Apwe is, is a good tailor uh, if you need anybody. And she got back with me and said, yeah. Uh, so let's get Apwe a part-time job. So, and she was uh, gracious because at that time Apwe didn't have transportation. So she, she came and picked Apwe uh, every other day to take, uh, take him to the store and um, pay him to, um, to take these dresses and, and fix it. Um, I don't know all the terminology in sewing, but uh, to just make it uh, adjusted to the need. And uh, so he had a little bit of that uh, experience. And then when COVID hit, um, I was driving and uh, from work, uh, as, as I was listening to NPR, there was uh, talk about the masks, like the shortage of masks. If you remember at the beginning of COVID, that, that was the, the biggest challenge was was uh, masks, and uh, and somebody mentioned about like uh, there there are ways to make masks at home, uh, and I and I called Abwe. Uh, so Abwe's business idea was like um, I, I want to start a business that would would be um, eventually it's it's going to be a business uh, a, a tailoring business. Um, back back then when we were just uh, beginning to work with him, uh, and so. This was talking to Abwe, uh, listening to NPR. I took the exit and I went to Abwe and I said, well, Abwe, are you interested in making masks? And he said, well, I don't know how to make masks, but if I see one, I will make one. Uh, and both of us, we went, we drove to Joanne's uh, fabric store. And uh, I think we were the only two people like, we, I have never been to that store before. And, and for him, it was overwhelming. I mean, for both of us, I think it was overwhelming. We went to the store and we picked up some material and I said, let's go and make masks. Uh, YouTube, some how to make masks. And uh, lo and behold, Abwe took that. And the next morning I came in and he had uh, all these uh, like four or five uh, masks that he made. And it was like, again, it was work in progress. It was one of those who you had to tie in the back. There was no this little, um, and, and that was it. And so uh, he took the class, the 
again, it was during the pandemic, he took the business class uh, or entrepreneurship. And then um, naturally this, the, this business of starting making masks was, uh, was or the tailoring. And uh, we sat together and uh, he came up with the name, um, a beautiful name, Yusalama. Yusalama uh, in, in Swahili, if I'm not mistaken, means good health. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yusalama and was like, when you write Yusalama, it is a USA llama and it's like, uh, so we just, uh, it's beautiful. Like he, we story. came up with a logo and Yusalama just uh, began uh, as an entity. And um, he made some, some um, thousands of, uh, so again, this was, he had, he started the business, but it was like really, uh, trying to get that moving because he had a full-time job as well. Uh, so he took some time off to focus on uh, on this masks. But at the same time, there was an entity, an NGO here and that wanted to um, hire some folks to make masks. And they were interested in Abwe's story. And uh, Abwe came in and uh, taught some of that. And the, he was kind of the managerial position and helping others how to like cut and sew masks. Uh, and then from there, uh, he did an excellent job and they offered uh, him a full-time position to work for, uh, now it's called Interform. Uh, it's a fashion uh, company, uh, nonprofit um, uh, entity here in Northwest Arkansas. That, and Abwe is the director of sewing operation with, with them. So he has a full-time job. He also, the, the mask making or the tailoring became a side gig for him that's amazing that's amazing yeah i think i think a lot of times refugee clients think that the things that they did just aren't an employable skill um but they are and so it's amazing that you were able to keep pulling and pulling and pulling and find out this that he had this background in, in tailoring which is probably something he never considered but he was able to use it, um, turn it into a yeah. career. Yeah, when we when we did the industry analysis to find out if there's any tailor store in, in the community, it was like two or three, uh, but they were like very fancy. Um, and so it was just right in the, the path for our way to, to do this. And, um, and hopefully we will have a few more uh, line items that Abwe will add in his. Uh, he made me a shirt, and we are still working on on the details. And I I went to a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was wearing that. And I think I got more uh, requests for from people. It's like, where did you get that? And I'm like, yeah, I I tell you where I got it. And so um, hopefully Abwe will have a few more of those orders. So what do, what do you consider success? Uh, uh, success for 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 this class or success for an entrepreneur both okay I, I think for for the class i if somebody comes in and it's a 13 12 weeks uh, classes if they start uh, the what does it mean to be an entrepreneur that's the first class and then planning for business success the steps and then we talk about marketing the market credit and financing, management, operation, then the technology, how to use technology for business and financial planning, all we spent two weeks on that. And then um, just, are you ready to start a business? And, and 
and there was a graduation. So throughout this process, um, to me, I don't look at success as like how many businesses we started from this class. It's like how many people participated and because they all came, uh, I have a interview before they started this, before they came to class. They need to have an idea to participate in the class. Uh, so um, folks are cannot just like, oh, I'm, I wanna take this class just for the sake of it. Um, you need to have an idea and you sit with me. Uh, so I sit with them and, and talk about their business and I, and I get a good feeling about like, okay, this person really wants to start a business. Uh, so, and then the next step is to uh, enroll in the class and, and there's a fee associated with it too. So it's not free, um, come to class. Um, so I take that and at the end, some of them decides like, okay, yeah, this is for me. I'm really interested. Some of them is like, I need to take a pause and uh, just work on my like, computer knowledge or maybe uh, build some credit or maybe I need to learn a little bit more about the industry that I was looking at because that was, uh, I had an idea, but it's not, or maybe they would do the market and see there's not a, a huge market for, for that, that business that they want to start. So at the end, when they graduate, if, if they have a clear idea that I'm not going to start a business or I will start a business, it's a success. Uh, and those who didn't start a business, uh, we saved them $20,000, $30,000 to start a business and then fail. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, that's success. Um, uh, I, I come back to this pigeon business because that's one of my favorite. Uh, that the gentleman who wanted to start the business. And it's like, yeah, uh, he came into class, participated. And then it's like, okay, yeah, there's not a lot of people who want buy pigeons. Uh, yeah. And, and he decided not to, because at the beginning, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm saving all my money to start this business. And then uh, most likely the business would have not made it if uh, they were not, if he would have just gone and spent all this money on something. Uh, so that's, that's uh, the, class, um, the class level. Mm -hmm. um, I see success by just them learning more about their business or the industry and then decide not to do it. Uh, or do it, or just wait, all, all three options. And for as, um, as far as the, the success into, uh, successful entrepreneur to me, I, I always, I'm a person who's really kind of see the social impact of the business, but then the social impact of the business to me is, is very important, uh, that they, uh, they change the narrative, um, but also like I, my, my personal business, I, buy rugs directly from the weavers and I work with them, make sure that they're paid uh, three times more than the market price uh, at, the, at the place, but also provide them with looms that are better for their health, um, that they're not bending and making carpet, but there's sunning looms. Uh, I make sure that they uh, have um, mobile clinics that uh, the NGOs that I work with, uh, that they do go to those villages and um, the weavers get uh, to check their eyes and make sure that um, uh, they wear masks, uh, but also like lighting uh, for, for a weaver um, if they're working at night um, or even during daytime, if there's one window in the room, um, work with World Bank to make sure that they, they have um, solar panels and they have lights in their, in their uh, rooms. 
so those those are important things for me, and I, I make sure that my weavers, uh, for example, who make these uh, wonderful carpets, uh, is also um, paid well, but also their stories. Uh, they have one rug behind me in the uh, if you see that, mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, just the tapestry of what all these knots put together make a beautiful rug. And I think the stories of, of these entrepreneurs who are coming uh, with lots of hopes and dreams to America uh, and, and if they are successful in pursuing that, that dream. Um, I, I'm an immigrant to America, so I, I, I remember sitting in a class the first time in, uh, in college and they were, they were talking about American dream. Uh, do, do believe in American dream, something like that. I raised my hand, but um, I noticed that I was the only one in the class of uh, 20, 25 people that raised. And I thought maybe I misunderstood the question. Um, and I asked the question is like, do you believe in American dream? And I'm like, uh, oh yes. I mean, why I'm here in America, like that's part of, um, so I raised my hand and, and had to like, just really kind of shocked because nobody else in the class was was believing in that but i think maybe that's just part of being an immigrant um that you you see that there are opportunities and um but also the the right people in the right time all those combined together could uh, really change the story Khalid, thanks for talking to us today. I want to remind the listeners that there is a part two, so be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm.